Chapter 84 Pitch Poling To make them run easily and swiftly, the axles of carriages are anointed, and for much the same purpose, some whalers perform an analogous operation upon their boat. They grease the bottom. Nor is it to be doubted that, uh, as such, a procedure can do no harm. It may possibly be of no contemptible advantage, uh, considering that oil and water are hostile, that oil is a sliding thing, and that the object in view is to make the boat slide bravely. Queequeg believed strongly in anointing his boat. And one morning, not long after the German ship Jungfrau disappeared, took more than customary pains in that occupation, crawling under its bottom where it hung over the side, and uh, rubbing in the unctuousness as though diligently seeking to ensure a crop of hair from the craft's bald keel. He seemed to be working in obedience to some particular presentiment. Nor did it remain unwarranted by the event. Toward noon, whales were raised. But so soon as the ship sailed down to them, they turned and fled with swift precipitancy, a disordered flight as of Cleopatra's barges from Actium. Nevertheless, the boats pursued, and uh, Stubbs was foremost. By great exertion, Tashtigo at last succeeded in planting one iron. But the stricken whale, without at all sounding, still continued his horizontal flight with added fleetness. Such uninterrupted uh, strainings upon the planted iron must sooner or later inevitably extract it. It became imperative to lance the flying whale or be content to lose him. But to haul the boat up to his flank was impossible. He swam so fast and furious. What then remained? Of all the wonderful devices and dexterities, the sleights of hand and, and uh, countless subtleties to which the veteran whaleman is so often forced, none exceed that fine maneuver with the lance called pitch-poling. Small sword or broadsword in, in, in all its exercises boasts nothing like it. It's indispensable only with an inveterate running whale. Its grand fact and feature is the wonderful distance to which the long lances accurately darted from a violently rocking, jerking boat under extreme headway. Steel and wood included, the entire spear is some 10 or 12 feet in length. The staff is much slighter than that of the harpoon and also of a lighter material, pine. It is furnished with a small rope called a warp of considerable length by which it can be hauled back to the hand after darting. But before going further, it is important to mention here that though the harpoon may be pitch-poled in the same way with a lance, yet it is seldom done, and uh, when done, it's still less frequently successful on account of the greater weight and inferior length of the harpoon as compared with the lance, which in effect becomes serious drawbacks. As a general thing, therefore, uh, you must first get fast to a whale before any pitch-poling comes into play. Look now at Stubb. A man who from his humorous, deliberate coolness and equanimity in the direst emergencies was specially qualified to excel in pitch-poling. Look at him. He stands upright in the tossed bow of the flying boat. Wrapped in fleecy foam, the towing whale is forty feet ahead, handling the long lance lightly, glancing twice or thrice along its length to see if it be exactly straight. Stubb whistlingly gathers up the coil of the warp in one hand so as to secure its free end in his grasp, leaving the rest unobstructed. Then, holding the lance full before his waistband's middle, he levels it at the whale. When covering him with it, he steadily depresses the butt-end in his hand, thereby elevating the point till the weapon stands fairly balanced upon his palm, fifteen feet in the air. He minds you somewhat of a juggler, balancing a long staff on his chin. Next moment, with a rapid, nameless impulse, in a superb, lofty arc, 
with bright steel spans the foaming distance and quivers in the life spot of the whale. Instead of sparkling water, he now spouts red blood. That drove the spigot out of him, cries Stubb. Tis July's immortal fourth. All fountains must run wine today. Would thou it were old Orleans whiskey or old Ohio or unspeakable old Monongahela. Then, Tash lad, I'd have you hold a canakin to the jet and we'd drink round it. Yea, verily, hearts alive, we'd brew choice punch in the spread of his spout hole there. And from that live punch bowl, quaff the living stuff. Again and again to such games and talk, the dexterous dart is repeated, the spear returning to its master like a greyhound held in skillful leash. The agonized whale goes into his flurry, the tow-line is slackened, and the pitch-poler, dropping astern, folds his hands and mutely watches the monster die. 